good morning. Welcome to Tuesday morning, May the 17th. Magnificat Radio, MagnificatMedia.com. This is your morning tradition where we are. Living our faith. As my wife sways back and forth like a snake over there. What's you got? To, I didn't know you could move your neck like that. I'm not slithering. No, no, but you get the like the neck thing. It hurts. That hurts me when I do that. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. It's like your head's not connected. Yes, it That's is. That's freaking me out, man. Well, we welcome you to a little breakfast this morning. Praise be Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Now and forever. Which, by the way, I just want to publicly congratulate my daughter Maria on a fine job on the cinnamon rolls. Oh, weren't those delicious? Was that a kit or something, or did she come up with that? No, it's a, it's like a little kit. You have to make your own sauce, you little the cinnamon stuff inside. She did good with that. Yeah. Well, it gives you a recipe. Did you teach her to do that? Oh, she followed the recipe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We tried it with, with one batch of the nice sugary, cinnamon flavor. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out well the first time. It was kind of dry. <laughs> yeah, but I and just so still ate it. so what we decided to do is double batch it. So oh. we made a double batch of a nice creamy slithery stuff friends i bring this up to you only because i want you to know i'd want you to know and understand that when you see us at ordinations and we're all plump and chunky <laughs> is because we are experimenting with sugar sauces apparently <laughs> we and, had hot cinnamon rolls and daddy Yummy. is the garbage disposal here so when things go wrong give it to dad he'll just eat it up and yes i do but this one was a this one is a home run she did really well with it and they were gluten-free Oh, see? So that I could eat all I want and never gain a pound, probably. Probably. <laughs> right. <laughs> bon appetit. Uh-huh. Later this morning, just before the end of the show, I have to bring something up for our friends in Michigan. Actually, for all over the world. What's that? But people in Michigan, a specific town in Michigan, I really need you to step up, okay? Really, we need to step it up. We're going to talk about that later? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They tried to do something over the weekend. It just, it didn't work. And the folks who are listening in Grand Rapids, South Haven, uh, all in that area know exactly what I'm talking about, probably. And you just have to say, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? No, I know what they were thinking. We just need a better effort next time. Okay. Better effort. And I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'd be glad to come over to Michigan and help out. I'm going to be, we're going to be there in June for a little bit. <laughs> so I'll come over and we'll see what kind of publicity we can generate. How about that? Okay, sounds good. Get in touch with my lovely big-haired wife, Lisa Nader, the At hot potato. And just see if she can help or we can help and all of that stuff. Uh, also this morning we have for you a conversion story. And we find these from time to time. Folks, let us know about it. And by all means, if you have a conversion story, if you know someone with a conversion story, uh, we would love to hear about it because they're inspirational. They are. I think, yeah. You know, you, 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 I don't know, sometimes it's easy to become complacent and forget that for a convert, this is, this has been quite the journey. It is. And, uh, and quite the struggle. I mean, you know, we all have maybe perhaps, I don't want to, we all do, but perhaps we have family members who are wondering, why do you go to that Mass? Why do you do that thing? Why? Well, I'm sure every family has that. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what are you driving an hour and a half for? You know? Yeah, or, you get the typical questions. How come? What's with the Latin? 
Right. <laughs> so imagine being a convert from a Protestant background or even a Novus Ordo background, either way. So another conversion story this morning for your edification and inspiration. Wonderful young man is going to join us here in a minute, and uh, we'll give his whole his whole uh, his whole story. And then we I just thought uh, since um, we were talking about ordinations and that, and looking at us and seeing us there, as we'd be the big fat ones under the tree. You'll know us. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, with the big blue bag. Hey, I see. Yeah, we'll have our bright blue magnificent media briefcase, and you'll know. I said, "You go, oh yeah, no, yeah, boy, those cinnamon rolls really hit home, didn't they?" Hmm. <laughs> wow, Mike, you are a plump boy. Yeah, you were right. Yeah. Woo. Back off a little next time. Yeah. Now, me. Meanwhile, I won't be able to answer you because I'll have my face full of more cinnamon rolls, probably. Uh, but I thought we'd go through a little bit on a serious note and, and uh, just uh, highlight some of the things that you can look forward to if you haven't made your your uh, plans to be at ordinations. The final year in Winona. Hey, I was able to find Stephen a hotel room. Really? <laughs> That's rare. So, I mean, if you really want to go, just keep calling because you never know when somebody cancels. Right. Right. And, and God then willing, I have a funny to story, too. Oh, go ahead. No, not now. When? When that comes oh, okay. up, we all can right. talk about it. All right, Lisa Nader. We'll get to all of that this morning. It's good. It's a fun-filled, fun-packed morning or informational as well. Uh, but right now, it's when I like to ask my beautiful big-haired wife the question, how can you know where you're going? If you don't know where you've been. That's why we do this day in history. We have made history. Any day in history. Day that will go down in history. History of this day. This day in history. This day in history. Also, we'll have some of our uh, mandatory morning Mozart here a little later on. Today happens to be the 17th day of May in the year of our Lord, 2016. It's the 138th day of the year. There's about 228 of these babies left. And this was the day in 1536. The annulment of Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn happened. The annulment of their marriage. Oh, that's too bad. Well, you know. On this day in 1673, Louis Joliet and Jacques Marquette begin exploring the Mississippi River. In 1792, by the way, all up and down the Mississippi, you find little parks named Joliet, well, the Joliet, Illinois, the Joliet, or Marquette Park, things like that. Mm-hmm. Very historic. All right, uh, 1792, the New York Stock Exchange was established. A group of about 24 guys and the merchants got under got together under a tree. Remember when things used to happen under a tree? Uh-huh. You know, or on a napkin. Aristotle. You're sitting there listening to Aristotle, that is, uh, sitting in the grass. Uh-huh. That was university right there. That's right. We'll be under a tree at ordinations. You'll know us. We'll uh-huh. be the big fat people. Oh, sorry. Uh, anyway, Wall Street. This was where the tree was. was on Wall Street. Yes, you guessed it. Uh, they signed the Buttonwood Agreement, made, making the New York Stock Exchange. Cool story. Yeah. On this day in 1808, Napoleon I of France orders the annexation of the Papal States to the French Empire. Uh, a large fire happened in St. Louis, Missouri on this day in 1849. Burned a whole bunch of the town down to the ground. Wow. Yeah. On this day in 1875, the first Kentucky Derby was held at Churchill Downs in Louisville, Kentucky. We've been there. I know. Who? I've who, been there twice. Who was the Who was the first horse to win? Do you know? 
No, I don't. Aristide. Ooh. All right. Uh, 1954, the Supreme Court ruled unanimously against desegregation in schools in Brown versus the Board of Education. On this day, May 17th in 1973, televised Watergate hearings opened, headed by North Carolina Senator Sam Irvin. And now you know exactly where it is you have been. Mike and Lisa Austin on your morning tradition. And this is where we are living our faith. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit today uh, about the ordinations. But first, our guest this morning, a conversion story. Mr. Greg Vanderwood will join us. Speaking of Michigan, I have a story because in honor of him, I have a story later from Michigan. Greg is in Michigan. How it's so, all connected. It's all connected. I have a Michigander to my right, right here in the studio. And we've got Michigander listeners. And nothing against all over the, place. the rest of you world people, but it just happens to coincide with Michigan this morning. Mike and Lisa Austin, Magnificat Radio, MagnificatMedia.com. We'll be back right here. It's where we are. Living our traditional Catholic faith. Magnificat Radio here at MagnificatMedia.com. This is your morning tradition where we are... Living our faith. ...privileged to have yet another conversion story. You know, we have uh, we haven't had a conversion story on for a while. We talk about this in the sense that uh, it's, it's always interesting to hear someone's story. How did they come to Catholicism or how did they come to tradition? And in, in one sense, it gives you hope and it also gives you a sense of... Um, what we have, you don't want to take it for granted. And people who have come from other backgrounds, often it's profound mm-hmm. to them. Join us. Uh, joining us right now is Greg Vanderwood, who has a varied background. Greg, uh, welcome to the show. It's nice to have you on with us. Thank you. Glad to be on the show. You are in West Michigan, which is really... Um, as far as I know, one of the only places in America where you find something called the Christian Reformed Church. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. You know, it's funny, whenever I venture outside of West Michigan, you know, nobody has any idea uh, what that denomination is, but in West Michigan, it's probably one of the most common, uh, at least of the Protestant denominations. And what exactly is it? Is this like a I don't even what is it? <laughs> yeah, so it's it's basically Calvinism. Um so in, in that sense it's very similar to the Presbyterian Church and mm-hmm. in, in kind of in a, in a in a rougher sense the the Lutheran Church as well. Mm-hmm. And you you grew up in the in the the Christian Reformed Church. You your family is was all Christian Reformed, I take it. Absolutely, all the way. Absolutely. All right. All right. So at what point then in your life did you start to say, okay, I don't think I'm going to be Christian Reformed anymore? Yeah, it was, uh, It was. I think it was 10th grade in high school where, you know, for some reason the idea of sola scriptura and sola fide, these very, you know, bedrock ideas of Protestantism, just didn't really seem to make sense to me because they weren't in the Bible. And, you know, to me, it kind of began my journey of looking a little bit further into Catholicism um, because, you know, as, as a Christian Reformed Protestant, I, I, I had to figure out why did I reject 
the Catholic Church? You know, why did I agree with Martin Luther? Um, and, and, you know, in, in a nutshell, it was essentially that journey of me questioning that really got me started on that path of conversion. Really, yeah, because the only other option was Catholicism. If you're going to remain a Christian, I mean, you could have gone to Judaism or, or what have you. But so you're, you're, you're exploring your Christian faith. And so walk us through the journey for you, the things that you went through, the people you talked to, the books you read. Um, walk us through that. Sure. It's kind of funny, because I, I remember going to the bookstore, Barnes & Noble, and I went to the religion section, and the book that I found was Catholicism for Dummies, which, which sounds like a you know a crazy place to start. <laughs> but, you know, it actually was... <laughs> and, you know, it was actually a pretty good book in teaching me about what the Catholic Church even taught, because, you know, like most Protestants, I had this very distorted notion, you know, of the Catholic Church, you know, they, they worshipped Mary, and they did all these sort of things that just had no basis in Scripture, but, you know, it, it was once I began to read that book, and it was also uh, uh, Catholic Answers Radio as well that I, that I listened to, and it, it really kind of gave me an understanding of what the Church actually taught, and that's what really piqued my interest. So how long of a journey was this? I mean, you started, you said, in the 10th grade? That's correct. All right, yep. and you're not that old of a guy. Yeah, you don't was, sound that old anyway. Right, yeah, so I, I joined the Catholic Church uh, in Easter of 2007, so I was 19. Um, so it was, it was, I guess, around a four-year journey um, that I kind of, you know, initially kind of, you know, even as I was studying these doctrines, I still rejected them in my mind. But, you know, by the time I was 18, 19, you know, finishing high school, kind of, you know, growing up, branching out my own, that I, that I really decided, wow, I, I got to make the jump here. Mm -hmm. And this is something that you did all on your own, or did you have some influence through a friend? You know, that that's a good question, because, um, you know, speaking with others, a lot of, you know, their stories, you know, they had a friend or, or a family member, but for me, I didn't really know, you know, any, any Catholics. I knew, you know, one family in the town here. Um, but it, it was largely, you know, on my own. I, I attribute it to the grace of God that I was, you know, really able to, to you know, to study all of that on my own. Absolutely. How did how did this go over yeah. with your? How did this all go over with your family? Were there long discussions into the uh, night? Uh, you know, there weren't. But as you can imagine, they weren't. They weren't pleased, but they also weren't. Um, you know, angered in any way because they recognized that I was, I was, I was staying true to Christianity and I was exploring my faith. And to them, that was ultimately a good thing. Good. Yeah. Cause often, you know, you'll hear, oh, this just completely split the family apart and, and, and it's a, a tougher go of it. So you converted into the Novus Ordo church. You, I mean, you probably had no idea about tradition even at that time, right? That's correct. That's correct. Yep. Okay. So, so you're in the Novus Ordo Church, and you're going along. And how long, how long were you in the in you know a practicing Catholic in the Novus Ordo Church? Uh, that was around four years. Um, and you know, it's interesting when I converted, I, I wasn't very liturgically minded, and so um, I didn't really think about what the Novus Ordo Mass was like in its history. But after I'd been going to Mass for a few years, and I really began to uh, compare the Novus Ordo to what I knew about Catholicism and what I knew about the Church prior to the Second Vatican Council, that I really kind of saw this disconnect between the New Mass and the teachings of the Church and the understanding of the liturgy. Yeah. 
Was there something missing that that prompted you in high school to say, I need to look into this a little bit further, separate from what you were brought up with? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, to me, the fact that the Protestants just kind of interpreted Scripture on their own, um, to me, was a lack of coherence and doctrine, because, you know, I could go to a church down the road and they'd say one thing, you know, during the corner they'd say something else, and there was no arbiter. And to me, it just it didn't make sense. I had no idea what was right, what was wrong, and I, I needed I needed that clarity, you know. Otherwise, I think I would have just, you know, lost, you know, any any sort of faith completely. Mm-hmm. Right. So then you started out on the on the journey, and then you discover that Catholicism might be the answer. And so then you you went to the Novus Ordo. Did you find some similarities to what you were you were brought up with and with the Novus Ordo, or was it not that far that gone at that point? Uh, it was it was very very similar um, the the Novus Ordo to what I was used to, um, and, and so I think I think what was what was shocking to me or what was most different I guess was you know the the kneeling and, and the standing because that wasn't as common but the actual the actual format of it um, mm-hmm. it, it was actually kind of similar to to what I was used to growing up so we wouldn't have communion every single week um, in the Christian Reformed Church. Uh, and so that was another thing where, you know, you know sort of it was every week. Uh, but other than that, it was it was very similar. Communion is always the biggie, as it sh- as you know you would think it would be mm-hmm. uh, in the Christian Reformed Church. How did they deal with communion? Because I grew up Methodist, and we always had the little cubes of Wonder okay. Bread and the grape juice. You know, <laughs> I always wondered what are we doing? This yeah. What is this all about? And so, what did you guys do? Yeah, so it was it was pretty much the same with with the Wonder Bread and the grape juice, um, and it was it was very much kind of an afterthought because with the Christian Reformed Church, the sermon was really the the main focal point, and then you know communion was maybe once a month, but it was it was very much this sort of extra activity, and it was you know just a just a memorial. There was no significance to it, um, and so you know it was a very kind of downplayed aspect of of the, of the Christian Reform form of, of liturgy. Did you ever, we're talking with Greg Vanderwood, by the way, and, and it's uh, another one of the, the, the conversion stories that uh, we like to get into, and, and just to find people's various backgrounds, how they came to Catholicism, how they came then to tradition. Some folks convert right into tradition. Greg uh, went to the Nova Sordo Church. It's funny, that uh, Greg, when you mentioned that when you converted that it wasn't all that different, and it, it felt kind of comfortable. I, I would say the same for me. The format seemed to be the same. Um, there wasn't a lot of difference. We we kind of went through the same steps, with the exception of the Eucharist. Uh, and I think that's kind of actually a sad thing to say, but it wasn't all that different from being a Methodist or being a Christian Reformed Church. Greg, when you were searching, you were going through the soul searching, You, if I'm hearing this right, you went right to Catholicism uh, from the Christian Reformed. You didn't check out being a Baptist or being, a, a, I don't know, a community church or anything like that, correct? Right, that's correct, you know, because once I once I figured out that, you know, the, the magisterium was an integral part of the church, or even the idea that there was a church. Um, I immediately ruled out all of these sort of branches of you know the Baptists, even the the Episcopalians, and because they were all kind of dependent upon the fact that oh you know there's there's no ultimate truth, there's there's no ultimate arbiter. And so once I once I came to that conclusion, it was clear to me that the the Catholic Church was was the only place for me. 
So then, how did you make the leap from Novus Ordo to tradition? How did you? Was again, was it something that you were still on that journey all by yourself, or did somebody introduce you to tradition? Uh, that's that's a great question, Lisa. I, I, you know, it was it was largely on my own um, initially. I I I wanted to really grow spiritually and develop my own my own spiritual progress, my spiritual life. And so I started to pray the rosary daily, and I started reading the lives of the saints. Um, and in doing so, I discovered that, that prior to the Second Vatican Council, clearly uh, these saints' faith was being nourished wonderfully by the liturgy. And so um, I, I had this curiosity, and I, and I wanted to check out the Latin Mass. And I remember the first time I went, I really didn't like it because it, it really jarred my sensibilities. I didn't know what was going on. And so it actually took me a while before I really made the jump over. Were you able to sit with uh, any a priest, any of the priests, and have any discussions about the liturgy or any guidance once you came to tradition? Um, I, I didn't at first, no. I've, I've spoken a bit with uh, Father Weber. Um, he's, he's a priest at the uh, SSPX Chapel in uh, Allendale. Mm-hmm. Um, and then before that, I was, I was attending... Um, uh, the diocesan mass in Lansing, um, and what I, I, I spoke primarily with other people attending more so to kind of understand, you know, where they came from. You know, if they converted from the Novus Ordo, if they converted from you know other you know other faiths, um, and so it was really more so speaking with speaking with others who had made a similar journey, and that really helped me to kind of kind of get my bearings, uh, as it were. Mm-hmm. You are a fairly young individual, but I mean, do you, do you, you are a single man? Do you have a wife? Uh, anything like that? I'm I, uh, si- uh, single. Okay, yeah. okay, because that could be. Boy, that's a tough one if you have a wife, and then sometimes you know you hear you know, one person will go to mass and the other person just doesn't, and right. that's a that's a hard one during a conversion. Greg Vanderwood is a, Vanderwood is our guest uh, with his conversion story from the Christian Reformed church in Michigan and then to uh to Nova Sordo. And so what um what's going on for you now, Greg? I mean, you're you're pretty ingrained in tradition. You have you uh I don't know. How how are things working with your family? Do you have long discussions? I can imagine what Christmas must be like at Christmas dinner. Yeah, Christmas is is that's that's really the most difficult time in terms of logistics because you know they they don't understand why I'm staying up till midnight to go to mass. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 another difficulty is they'll say, hey, you know, come to church with us. And you know, I, I've explained to them the the you know Sunday obligation and and you know that it has to be a Catholic mass, and, and that really hasn't clicked entirely. Um, but yeah, definitely there's some logistical issues for Christmas and for Easter as well in terms of trying to figure out, you know, when we're having dinner and, and when I'm going to Mass and that sort of thing. Do you have discussions about doctrine, though, and liturgy and things like that? Are you able to discuss that with your family and and really kind of get into the meat of the subject? You know, initially, um, so after my um, entrance into the Catholic Church, I did, I was able to kind of get some dialogue um, but, you know, it was really hard to get traction and to, you know, really kind of pull them over to my side. But, um, what will happen more often is, you know, somebody in my family will see something in the news or something like that. And they'll ask me a question. And then that's kind of my opening to, 
you know, highlight for them just, just a little bit of doctrine and what, what the church really teaches. Very good. Very good. Yeah, well, and God puts those opportunities in your in your path. Uh, who knows? Maybe you'll have a few converts from your from your own family, huh? Did I miss um, what the what the turning point was from going from Novus Ordo to the tradition? From from Novus Ordo to tradition? Yes. You know that was actually it was it was a Novus Ordo mass that I went to in Everett, Michigan, uh, which is a very small town, kind of in the middle of the state, and the the priest um, he essentially ad-libbed the entire liturgy. He didn't follow the rubric at all. It was just absolutely ghastly. And, uh, you know, I remember I, I, I wrote the bishop, and you know, it just it really kind of startled me that it was a complete disrespect for the liturgy. Um, and nobody at that, at that church was really alarmed. It was normal. And, and that was when I decided that you know, subsequent weeks that I went to Novosorto, I really just saw it left and right of just the, the various abuses and and just how what I was seeing didn't didn't match up with with what I understood about the church. Um, and then, as I said a little bit earlier, where the first time I went to Latin Mass, you know, I didn't like it, but I, you know, I forced myself to stick with it. And, and the longer I stayed with it, it was I could just I, it just clicked. You know, after a while, where it just it just really connected with my spiritual life, and it really made sense in a way that the Novus Ordo just, just did not. Yeah, it's like a puzzle, isn't it? It's when you're yeah. sitting there at the Mass and, and, and you're you're going, yeah, it's just like everything falls into place, and it, and it fits like a puzzle, and you're going, I am home. I feel like I'm home. Yeah, it's an aha moment. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Greg... How okay? So you're in Nova Sorta. You're going to the Nova Sorta Church. You have this experience. Um, many folks don't know what to do after that. I mean, how did you have a friend who was uh, going to a traditional Latin Mass, or did you had you heard about it? Uh, how did you get to there? Yeah. So, um, I, so so in 2012, that was when when the Society and Pope Benedict were you know, kind of kind of reaching this agreement as it were. And before then I'd never heard of, of the society. And um I actually checked out their their website and you know, I thought to myself, Oh my goodness, here's actual Catholic doctrine being espoused in clear, unambiguous language. And then that was actually so when I had when I had first become aware of the society, I was in uh in Lansing, Michigan. So that's kind of in the middle of the state, and there wasn't, there's, there's not a chapel nearby. So I went to the uh, the diocesan mass there, and then it was, you know, particularly under the the pontificate of Pope Francis that I really realized that that the society was really speaking the truth about what was going on, whereas, um, you know, other priests had offered the offered the Latin mass were, were were somewhat muted, you know, in, in as as they had to be, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um and so it was it was really, you know, when when, you know, Pope Francis really started saying these these sort of odd things that um that I that I really, you know, kind paid of, more attention to the society. Yeah, it kind of pushed you over the edge, didn't it? Absolutely. It absolutely did. Yep. Well welcome home. <laughs> Let me say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I had—I didn't realize that it was so so fresh. I mean, this is just fairly new for you. So, uh, yeah, this is an exciting story. Greg Vanderwood, uh, yeah. Yeah, his conversion story in Michigan, 
And, uh, well, God bless, Greg. I mean, have you looked into other things like the uh, Holy Name Society? Are you into any of that? Have you have you gone that far? Um, I haven't yet. You know, I, I, I heard a little bit about it, but um, but it's, it's not something I've explored yet. But I'm certainly certainly looking at, certainly looking into it now. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have quite a story. What a journey! Yeah. And it is through the grace of God that you were able to discern it and to and to bring you to the truth. And it's just going to just keep growing from there. Greg, thank you for your time. Oh, absolutely. And and it's an inspiration, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, maybe this will reach someone who's uh, kind of discerning and, and questioning a little bit. So, Greg, thanks so much for your story. We appreciate it, and God bless. Alrighty, Thank you, Mike, Lisa. Thank you. You're welcome. Greg Vanderwood. As we listen to a little morning mandatory Mozart to take us out. Vanderwood is a very Western Michigan name. It is. There's a lot of Dutch over there. Uh, I have a Dutch story coming up. Okay. Folks in Western Michigan, you may need our help. We'll be there in we'll a flash. We'll be there in a flash. Help you with this. They tried to make a world record and they missed it. Ah. I'll tell you about that coming up at. Uh, We've got news to cover for you in just a minute. Stephen Cox is on the way with today's news and headlines, and we'll be back. Talk a few things about ordination, some of the some of the uh, details maybe you haven't gotten yet, and we'll get to that. And a funny story. And a bunch more. You have a funny story for I us? I do. Okay, make me chuckle. It will. <laughs> Lisa's on the way with her funny story. Get ready. Here on Magnificat Radio, MagnificatMedia.com. It's your morning tradition where we are. Living our faith. Just thought we would be a bit regal here. You know. Magnificat Radio at MagnificatMedia.com. This is your morning tradition where we are. Living our faith. Well, we're just, what, three weeks away? Not even quite that? Yes. From the ordinations, the final class of ordinations. Uh, at least in Winona. In Winona, was yeah, Minnesota. Almost said Wisconsin. <laughs> Uh, before we get to that, a big congratulatory remark, a slap on the back, not so hard to make them fall down, but just enough to say, hey, boy!" Immaculate Conception Church, Post Falls, Idaho, celebrating 40 years. Isn't that wonderful? About that. 40 years this weekend. They have a big, humongous celebration there. I guess, folks, if you can make it, get to Post Falls, which uh, Christina Perez, who does our homeschooling tip of the week, Right, from Our Lady of Victory School. She sent a picture out overlooking uh, Coeur d'Alene or something like that so. out there. and It was breathtaking. Oh, man. Well, we have never been out there. Mm-mm. But the kids say it's where we'll retire. So There is no retirement. That's there won't true. be a retirement. But <laughs> They said they're going to send us out there. They're going to send us the out old there. folks home. And that's where we will stay. <laughs> and they'll say, well, you get mass every day. Yes, we will, and thank you. Uh, so anyway, um, Immaculate Conception Church, congratulations on that. Forty years. This Friday, right? Yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they have a whole... Yeah, I think the official day is Friday, but they have a whole thing going on. Like Friday, they have a wine and cheese social. See, I'd go out there just for that. Yeah, fly out there and then fly home. Father Wagner's going to be out there. <laughs> we should go. 
Oh, I am so tempted. <laughs> I am so tempted to do that. Anyway. What's uh, happening Saturday? Uh, Saturday will be a solemn high mass. Nice. Served by alumni, followed by a big humongous barbecue. And then they have the uh, presentation on the history of the Immaculate Conception Academy. They'll have different games and stuff. Uh, Father Vassal will uh, give an address, an address. They have a bonfire. They have music. That's Saturday. Wow, nice. And then Sunday, of course, uh, High Mass in the Immaculate Conception Church. Then there's a golf tournament out there. So, Oh, fun. It's a great We weekend. haven't been to a golf tournament in a long time. Uh, I can only play the kind that they call best ball, where you're with a group of guys and you always take whoever hits the best ball, because mine's never the best ball. <laughs> I go, yeah, that's where I would have hit it had I really, really been better than I am. So let's go get his. And on the way, we'll pick mine up. Oh, here it is here. It's three feet from me. Thank you. That's funny. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, Lisa, tell us a little bit about what's coming up on June the 3rd. Would you please? It's the ordinations. Okay, thank you for expounding <laughs> on that. I was expecting a little more than that, but Okay. <laughs> You want to hear my little story? Yes. Okay. That's where I thought you were headed. All right, here, I'll tell you my story. Boom, done. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Yesterday, we're sitting there. I What I decided to do is, since Father's talking about the Mass on Mondays, mm-hmm. I thought it would be good for the kids to have an education so that they would be able to discern between the Novus Ordo and the traditional Mass. Why do they go to the traditional Latin Mass? And this is a good way for them to understand why they go. So what we do is we listen to um, our hour show and listen to Father talk about the Mass. And then we discuss it. Well, yesterday we must have said something about ordinations and the fact that they're going to have a dinner in the evening and it costs $25 a head. Right, yeah, because they're going to have that one banquet. Right. And so Anna, on her innocence, she looks at me and she says, well, if they're going to charge you $25 a head, what does it cost for the body to get in? (laughs) Please tell me she was not serious and she was making a funny joke. She was joking. Oh, that's Isn't funny. That funny. Anna is, and she's listening right now, and so I don't want to embarrass her. She's but, a little corker. Honey, I'll tell you what, you are hilarious. Let's talk ordinations, though. I just wanted to, I didn't want to get off on a sidetrack there, but Anna, you You digress. You, Anna, you need to win the Academy Award. Uh, so, Winona, is, is, you heard maybe by now that there's not a picnic. You know, you used to go yes. through and you'd throw a 20 in there or a 10 or whatever in the basket. Right, right. And then they had this this spread for everybody right, right after ordinations. Well, that's not going to happen any, now. Not today. Not, not this, this year. year. There's just far too many people coming from all over the place to provide so much food on a donation level. They just didn't feel they'd be able to cover it. Right. So there is a banquet, however, on Friday night. And it starts at 7 p.m. at yep. the seminary. There's going to be a slideshow, 28 Years of Memories slideshow. Yep. And then uh, 9 o'clock, there's a candlelight procession uh, to Our Lady uh, and uh, and then uh, Thanksgiving to Our Lady. I'm sorry. I didn't know if we were going down to the uh, – there's a grotto down in the woods or not. I don't know. That might be kind of well, interesting. Well, that might be the procession that they're Maybe. talking about. Maybe. That's what I'm thinking. And then Compline. Right. So, anyway um, – 7 p.m. is that banquet. And you can still, I think, get tickets for it, which are $25 a head. 
Or 45 for a couple. For a couple. Now, I don't know about a family if there's rates. like I don't think so. Call the seminary. Call, and I'm going to give you the number here in just a second, so get a pen, pencil, or write it down if you're going. Um, but there is limited seating, so I'm not guaranteeing even now if there's room. But call and find out. Here's their number, 816-733-2500. And so uh, this is going to be a big year, though. Yeah. we got seven deacons. Many, yeah, I was just going to say that. And how many priests? Seven. Seven priests. This is, I think this is one of the first years we... I mean, we've always known at least one, I think. But we know a lot of them this year. And have watched these young men kind of grow up. It's, well, we will next year. We'll know three Next or year four. for sure, but we know several of them this year, don't we? I know two of them. Mr. Trumer, we know him. Mr. Trumer. Oh, yes, that's right. So anyway, list the give and the Mr. names. Haney. List the names, Lisa. Uh, there is Reverend Mr. Andrew Dower, Dower. Dower. Hope we get these right. There is Reverend Mr. Brandon Haney. I'm sorry, who? Mr. Haney. Did you say Mr. Haney? I did say Mr. Haney. Okay. Um, and there's also. Hang on, wait. What? Mr. Haney. Did you say Mr. Haney? I did. <laughs> Only people of a certain age will get this. Which, by the way, when I, I asked Mr. Haney, which is spelled completely different than on the TV show, I, I said, do you get Green Acres a lot? He's like, what? Who? <laughs> on Green Acres, way back, just Google it, YouTube it, whatever. They had two characters, one named Mr. Haney, and then the other one was named... Uh, Reverend Mr. Patrick Kimball. Yeah, but there's, so on Green Acres, there's a Mr. Haney and a Mr. Kimball. <laughs> And Mr. Kimball plays the uh, the farm uh, county cooperative guy, uh-huh. the county agent, and Mr. Haney is the salesman guy who actually sold them their houses. I mean, anyway, it's just I just thought I got a kick out of it. Mr. Haney and Mr. Kimball. I know it's cute. The chores. The chores. Okay, enough of that. Okay, so we're also um, there is also Mr. Reverend Paul Isaac Franks, Reverend Mr. Reed Hennick. And Reverend Mr. Francis Palmquist, and Reverend Mr. James Trumer. Wonderful. So we knew three of them. And then there's also a book that, um, a commemorative book that's being sold. I think you can order that right now. A hey. picture book for the history of the seminary. Uh huh. I saw some pictures the other day of when they arrived, when all the like the van arrived with a bunch of boxes and stuff. Yeah. Oh man. It's a, there's a story about it on the uh, on the society's website. It's interesting because the carpenters were there, and there was one of the guys that was there, and then he met oh, I forget the father's name, the priest's name. Anyway, he met him because it was a long journey, and they had been all over the place. Pull up into Winona, and the guy comes out with an ice cold beer and says, "All right, welcome home. Here you are." You know, and then they sat down, and oh, it was very refreshing. Anyway, uh, facts, figures, anecdotes, photographs, quotations all to capture the essence of the seminary life and to celebrate the events and people that have shaped that community there in Winona from 1988 to 2016. That's 30 years. That book, yes, that book is uh, available now, and I'm sure, I'm positive, because if they don't, something's wrong, have those available in the uh, you know the vendor tent right. there on that Friday. Right, they should so, anyway. Yeah. Right. So, uh... I just noticed here that Mr. Paul Isaac Franks is from Nottingham, England. Oh, yeah. He's the guy with the songs. 
Yes, Mr. Franks is, is... I wonder if he's going to go back to England. I, I don't know. I was talking to Mr. Haney the other day because he was here for a men's group, and I was uh-huh. talking to him, and he said, so do you know where you're going yet? He goes, I'll probably know after I get there. Yeah. They will tell you. They literally tell you last minute, I think. So. I don't know. It's interesting. All right. Well, this is a little... Well, if you can still go to the ordinations, make oh, your yeah. plans and, and go. Yeah. For All the right. weekend. We're going to uh, march right into the rest of your Tuesday. I have a story for Michiganders coming up. Mike and Lisa Austin on your morning tradition, where we are. Living our faith. Welcome back to your morning tradition. Mike and Lisa Austin here on Magnificat Radio, MagnificatMedia.com, where we are... Living our faith! And into another beautiful, bright, and sunshiny day. It actually is starting to warm up here really nicely. I think it's guaranteed to be nice weather for the ordinations coming up in June. You Uh, can guarantee that? Okay. Positive thinking. That's what we pray for. All right, I'll accept that. Although it always does rain at least one of the days, doesn't it? It, it usually does. it rains right up to ordination, like on ordination day, it rains on that day, and then it stops right at ordinations. And then, yeah. it, and then it's nice for everything else. But. And then it's hot and sweaty. Coming up the next uh, few days, we have several guests. John Venary will be joining us. Also, we've got uh, Emily Brooks joining us from Life Defenders coming up the next few days. Yeah, a lot of weird things happening there at the out in the public. Oh, okay. Uh, that she's going to talk about. Okay. No, not at Life Defenders. No. Right. Things that are happening in the public that they're trying to defend. All right, because that's what they do. Right. Life Defenders. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Sounds like a superhero. They yeah. are. <laughs> Who am I kidding? They are. That's right. Life Defenders. Hey, uh, we have a deep connection to Michigan, West Michigan, specifically. Uh, Lisa's family lives in that area, and uh, Grand Rapids, and uh, Muskegon, mm-hmm. and all in there. Well, I they need our help, Lisa. The they folks do? in West Michigan could sure use our help, I think. They apparently attempted again to break the wooden shoe dancing record and failed. Oh. Now, ladies and gentlemen who are not familiar with the area, let me just tell you, this is in Holland, Michigan, <laughs> where they have a windmill. They have a tulip festival. Everyone's there, as we heard from Greg Vanderwood. Wood, wood. Everyone has a Dutch name, yet they saw, and they have a wooden shoe factory. They do. I was there. But they can't figure out how to break the wooden shoe dancing record. You want to, where do you hear who owns it? The, the dancing record in wooden shoes. A Frenchman? People who have no business in wooden shoes. <laughs> the world record still stands for the most people dancing simultaneously in wooden shoes. A second attempt by the Tulip Time, it's even called Tulip Time Committee, <laughs> to break the record fell short. This is twice now. Oh. They need our help. You know why? Because the word's not getting out. They haven't sown enough pride into this event. Oh. People need to want to break the record. So we need to call more people to the... To the table. Yeah. They need to take ownership of it. They need to... You get... Do they have to give the shoes back? Maybe they don't get to keep the shoes. That's number one. I'd say keep your shoes. Yeah. After you've worn them, I don't want them back anyway. <laughs> Wood or not. But you can always just sand the junk away. No, 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 no. You keep them. The... Uh, this is Holland, Michigan. 
had the other day. Well, first time they tried to call it, the, it was the Clomp the Record event. Clomp the Record? Clomp the Record. I don't know when they tried it, <laughs> but they had 1,700 people show up. You might say, hey, my, that's pretty good. It is. Not good enough. Oh. Last weekend, they had 992 show up. Oh, We're now, going the wrong direction. Yeah, that's depressing. Who owns the record? Are you ready? Pella, Iowa. Iowa! Exactly! How many people? How do they get 2,604 people to dance in wooden shoes in Pella, Iowa? 2,600? And four. Don't forget those last four people. Wow! That's the Van Somebody family, and you just knocked them off. (laughs) They got that in Iowa. Yeah. They must have a happier spirit. And by the way, I know we have some people listening in Iowa. Nothing against you. I just don't. Pella, Iowa, versus someplace no, named Holland. Because I thought the Dutch lived up in Michigan. Someplace named Holland. You'd think Holland, Michigan. <laughs> yes. I'm wondering this. Let me just ask you this: Is there beer involved? That's step no- step number one. Let them keep their shoes. Okay. Step number two: There must be beer. Why? Because it's Holland. It's Dutch, and if you have beer, you have more people show up. I don't care what the event is. Oh. Sheep shearing championships. There's going to be free beer. Hey, we're going. <laughs> so there must be, it must be a festival. Must be beer. Must, although I'm sure tulip time is underway there or yeah. whatever. The tulip and besides, festival. I don't think the Dutch drink. Oh, come on. I don't think so. Oh, please. I don't think they drink. I beg to differ. There's Dutch beer. Is there? Yes. Okay. Well, I don't know what their problem is. <laughs> so we need to maybe get next them... year we'll call them up. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna work on you guys. We're gonna break this record because if we can't get three thousand Dutch people out of the area in Holland, Michigan, to show up, uh huh. Then do they get cool costumes? Do they have Facebook or Twitter? Well, there you go. Social media, you want to tap into that. I wonder if the Iowa people have it. Oh, I bet. They're Iowa. I know. What else else is there to do? It's flat out there. That is shocking. Come on, Holland, Michigan. Step up. Literally. A pair of wooden shoes they get to keep, and there must be beer. And that's just the beginning. Oh, there is more rules. I'm sure we can come up with more incentives for people to show up. (laughs) You know, give them a tax break or something. I don't oh, know. Maybe free tulips. Free tulips. That there would be you nice. Go. A free bouquet of tulips for your lady. Yeah, come dance for your lady. And there it, it is. And Although a... I don't think, I don't know if it's just the men dancing. It might be women too. Well, you never know. Wooden shoes. I hear they're really comfortable, but they don't look that way. They don't. We get over there. I got to get a pair of those just to see. <laughs> to clump around in? Yeah. All righty. Ah, hey, honey, look at my shoes. We gotta get out of here. All right. Make room for the rest of the day. God bless you, everyone. Thank you, and go boldly. Today we have the second part of Father Summer's talk on an agrarian lifestyle. Wooden shoes not included. Uh, what else? You can carve your own. You don't have to go and buy shoes. You just cut down a log and you carve your own. I like that. <laughs> Wrong size? Just cut down another tree, or shave off a little more wood. Something. Yes, easy. Father Summers at noon today. Uh, Stephen will have an update on the news at noon as well. Chapter 2 of the Homer Price story tonight with Mrs. Weigel. Yes, it will air on time. Trust me. And that'll be that. 
God bless you. Go boldly. Thank you for listening to Mike and Lisa here on Your Morning Tradition. Magnificat Radio, MagnificatMedia.com, where we are... Living our traditional Catholic faith.